Hey, welcome to Church Experience today. Man, we are so fired up about next weekend. Man, we're looking forward to celebrating the resurrection of Jesus this Easter Sunday. We cannot wait. And it's gonna be an amazing time. We hope you will be here with us and bring your family, bring your friends, bring everybody that you know that doesn't yet know Jesus because it's gonna not only be a party, but it's gonna be spiritually impacting. We cannot wait to celebrate Easter with you. Resurrection Sunday next weekend. Well, hey, as we get into today's message, I got to share with you some amazing images that were sent to me. Uh, We are blessed to live here on the beach. We have the Sugar Sand Festival. And a lot of times in our community, you see sand sculpture art. And it's always amazing. But these pictures inspire me especially because they're of Jesus. And someone used their unique ability to sculpt sand in order to point people towards our risen Savior. And and I love that. I I love it. They were using their gifts and they're using their abilities to point people to Jesus. Now, a lot of us that love the beach, we have also built things in the sand, right? You know, most of us, we'd admit that we have built sand castles. That's probably the most common thing to build. Man, you love it. You get in there and you build the walls and the towers. But man, you come back the next day and what happened? Man, the tide washed it away. It's gone. And so many of us spend our lives, our time, our resources, our energy, our relationships. We invest who we are into things that are not lasting. They're here today, but then tomorrow they're washed away. And instead of spending your one life building your kingdom, your castles for your glory, Today, I'm going to challenge you to the best of my ability through God's word, through everything that I can to encourage you to live a life that has legacy, a life that has impact, to do something with the work of your hands that is more impacting and more lasting than what most people give their lives to. And so today we're going to talk about doing something that's fulfilling with our work and working it out in our lives. And here's the foundational lesson today. Work with God to do the work of God. Work with God to do the work of God. And what is the work of God? It's building his kingdom. It's building God's kingdom. Loving people, serving people, and pointing people to Jesus. That's what it's all about, pointing people to Jesus. All right, hold on one second here. My shoe's untied, just give me a minute. And actually, hey, would you be willing to help me out? Thank you. Uh, if you don't mind just tying my shoe while I'm talking, I really appreciate that. And hey, it, while we're on a little TV timeout here, is, is that your water? I'm dying. I know, I know I'm like high maintenance here today, but can I just have a little bit of water? Is you cool if I take a little swig? Thank you. So appreciate that. Hey, while we're at it, I know we're already on a break. Is that your wallet? I'm heading to lunch afterwards. Do not have any cash on me. Can you spot me? You don't mind if I had a little bit of money? Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. You not only feed me, you're feeding the family. And by the way, uh, I appreciate it. But 20, I got six people. I ain't going to do it. Can, can I get some, Can I get like 60? You good with that? Thanks, man. I so appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, 60 bucks. We're, we're good. We can get lunch on that. Now, as we get back to the message, did that feel a little bit off to you, that whole thing? Yeah, it felt a little bit off to me, right? Because the leader and the preacher should not be served by the people, right? They should be serving the people. And it just feels off when somebody who is supposed to be serving others is expecting to be served. And and we just kind of set this up to make a little point. 
Here's the idea. Many of us are going through our life expecting to be served like it's all about us, pointing people to ourselves, when actually God has put us here to serve others. God has put us here for a mission, for a reason, for a purpose, and that purpose is not us. It's, it's beyond ourselves. The purpose that we are here is to serve God and to serve other people. And so today we're going to talk about doing the work of God by, by hand in hand working with God. And, and my hope is that God will use this message today to stir up something inside of you, to light a fire in you, and to build a passion, to use your life to build something that is lasting, not something that will be quickly washed away. Matthew chapter 21 is where we're going to be together today. If you want to turn with us, Matthew chapter 21. Now, this story specifically that we're going to look at, it's in all four of the Gospels. So uh, some of the stories that you read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're in two or maybe three of the Gospels, but this one is in all four. So God obviously wanted to make it clear. He wanted to make sure we have it. And so we're going to look at this story today. And, and while you're turning there, my hope is that there'll be a mindset shift in our lives today, a mindset shift. And, and the, the spiritual growth that happens today will lead to greater fulfillment, greater legacy in our lives as we talk about living our lives for what really counts. And, and here's, the, here's the idea. We want to live our lives pointing people to Jesus, not trying to constantly point people at ourselves. All right, so Matthew chapter 21, let's pick up this story. It happens about a week before Jesus is crucified. Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, the, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went ahead and they did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is what we call the triumphal entry. And it begins the Passion Week we flow into all the events that transpired leading up to Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday and all these things that we celebrate every year. And it's a, it's a beautiful beginning to the week as you see Jesus and all his glory entering Jerusalem and, and they're laying down these, these branches in front of him. And we actually know that they're palm branches. You can read this in John chapter 12, another account of the same story where it says, they took palm branches and they went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. You know, in, in that era, it would, be, it would be common for a conquering king to come into a city on a war horse. But what was different about this king, what was different about King Jesus is he came in riding humbly on this donkey. He, he came in expressing that his kingdom was not going to be won through military conquest, but instead it was going to be won through humility 
and serving and sacrifice. He came not to be served, to point others at him so that he would be served, but he came to point at others and let them know how they were to be loved. See, when we, we watch movies, it's a common practice for us to put ourselves in the movie, maybe in the role of the main character and to imagine it. It's a pretty common thing. And, and many people imagine their role being in, in this story or in the story of their lives, the one where everyone's pointing at them and admiring them and blessing them and high-fiving them and admiring them, almost like their triumphal in, entry. You know, and we, we know of this passage as the triumphal entry of Jesus, but I titled today's message, Your Triumphal Entry. Because I think a lot of people, that's what they imagine if their life goes really well. That's really what it's leading up to, is if things go really well and God answers my prayers and things go how I want them to, all my dreams are accomplished. And this is really what it's about. Everybody high-fiving me and patting me on the back. Hey, way to go. Man, look what you did. Look what you've accomplished. Hey, we'll just pave the way for you. And that's how a lot of people live. They, they live for greater glory for themselves, greater accomplishment, greater success, greater, not only accomplishment, but greater attainment of wealth and possessions and trophies. And, and this is a brand of Christianity that exists that, that essentially believes that God is here to bless me, to serve me, to solve all my problems, and essentially that he's here for me. Now we know in, in the Bible that God is there for us, but some people believe, some forms of Christianity believe that God is here for us. He exists for us. And that's why some people get so easily offended when God doesn't answer their prayer or solve a problem in the exact way that they want. They can become disheartened and drift away from their faith because God didn't deliver what, he, what they thought that he should deliver. But Jesus said, and in scripture he said, that he's come to serve and not to be served. And yet he was the king, right? He said, that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. And then he said, no servant is greater than their master. And so if your master is doing these things, right, then we also must do the same. In fact, he said, take up your cross and follow me. The kind of life that Jesus lived was always pointing others to the Father. He, he came to serve, not to be served. And, and God is there for us. God is there for us, make no mistake about it, his presence, his power, and his provision are real. But our purpose is to be there for him. That, that's why we exist. That's why we're here. Maybe you want to write this down. God is there to help me, but I exist for him. That's my purpose. That's your purpose. We are here. We exist for him. We've got to change our thinking on this. Some of us still have an immature faith, an immature belief system that we think that God exists to serve us, to take care of us and provide for us and be there for us. And the truth is he does want to provide for you. He says he's our provider. He does want to care for us. All these things are absolutely true. But when we think God's purpose, the reason why God exists is to serve us and meet our needs, we've got it backwards. And just like it was a little bit awkward earlier when I was demanding to be served, look, it's really awkward when a servant of God doesn't live in the same way that their master lived. And how did Jesus live as our master? He didn't come to be served. Remember, he got down and he washed his disciples' smelly feet. He did the job that no one else wanted to do. And he was willing ultimately to give his life as a ransom for many. And he said, if you want to follow me, then you have to take up your cross and follow me. What's it look like to follow Jesus, to mature spiritually? It looks like a life of service of sacrifice, of giving your life. 
But what life on earth, listen, what life on earth lived with greater purpose? What life lived with greater fulfillment and greater joy and greater meaning? What life other than Jesus had greater legacy? None. Jesus lived with such purpose and such significance. Jesus was always serving others and because he served others and pointed to the, the glory and the mission of the Father, God honored him. And those who humble themselves, God, God will honor. He will elevate. You know, it's, it's important that we understand spiritually that, that we're here for God. We're here for his pleasure to serve him. So in your mind, let me just ask you this today. As we're getting into the thick of this message, what's your mindset? Really? You can peel back the layers and all your prayers and all your beliefs and all that. Do you believe that God really exists just to serve you? Or are you here to serve God? It's a very important distinction. And if you don't wrestle with that a little bit, you're gonna stay in the lower levels of spiritual development, not really grow to the, to the heights of spiritual growth that God has for you. And God has so much more planned for you. There's ways he wants to use you and bless you and mature you and strengthen you. God wants to use you, but he needs someone that he can trust, right? Because if he puts more blessing into your life and you think that God's still there for you, and you think other people are there for you, it's all about you, then every blessing he pours into your life, you're gonna consume for yourself. But when he finds somebody he knows he can trust, that they'll take all those blessings and they'll turn into glory for God and the blessing of other people. God knows he's found someone he can trust and he can, he can give more to them, more responsibility, more opportunity, more blessing. Look, live a life for God, not for yourself. It's too small of a vision to live for yourself. I, mean, I got two teenage boys and, and they're growing up fast. I mean, Jalen and Kylan, they're 15 and 13. Both of them are about to have birthdays. So I'm about to have a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. And that, and that blows my mind because these are just little, little kids when we started the church. I mean, they're growing up so fast. And Jalen, he's, he's trying to pass me. He's getting up there. Uh, Kylan's trying to do the same thing. He's trying to outmuscle me. This man is doing his pull-ups every day. And, and Jalen, the other day, we were chatting. He's like, hey, Dad, he's like, can I, can, can I get your Steph Curry basketball shoes when you're done with him? You know, and he's, he's about the same size shooting me now. And, and then he goes, he goes, oh, never mind, Dad. You just keep them because I'm about to pass you. I'm getting into size 11. And he's just really, he's just pouring on having some fun with me. He's like, you know, Dad, you're, you're, cute, you're cute little like size 10 and a half shoes. I don't need your size 10 and a half shoes. I'm going to size 11. He's just having some fun with me. I'm like, seriously? And, and why he's messing with me, why he's in the middle of this whole thing. My other son, Kylan, my 13-year-old, he comes and he puts his, his shoe print right next to my shoe. Just, just to measure, just to see. He's like, Dad, I'm, a, I'm size 10. You know that, right? I'm about to pass you too. I'm like, what is happening right now? My little boys, they're trying to pass Dad. You, you don't have to teach a teenage son to try to pass their dad or something, right? It's, it's all about getting taller, stronger, faster. They, they want to they mature and grow. They want to pass. They want to win. And it's natural for us to come into life wanting to win, wanting to get ahead. We even use that phrase. I just want to get ahead. I, I want to get ahead. But I want to challenge you today that a better way to live your life is not to create wins for yourself, but instead to create kingdom wins for God's kingdom, to create wins for other people. Man, I was talking about my boys. Uh, I loved watching their basketball league games this year. And one of my, 
uh, son's Kylan, his, his league game this year, man, it, it, got, it got intense at the very end. And I just want to show you this, this brief clip for a second. And I just want you to notice one guy specifically. He's the dad of one of the players. He's like about 20 feet in front of where we, we filmed this on our little iPhone. But, man, just, just notice how, how excited he gets up when his, his team scores. Check this out. Man, everyone went crazy. Now, as you watch it again, look at this guy. He is jumping around. He is fired up. I mean, this dad, he is so excited for his kids' team. You know, and, and we do. We get excited in life when we can start putting points on the board. Man, when you're winning in your career, you're winning in your accomplishments, and we get so excited about that. And, and look, nothing wrong with that. We should be excited about and into what we're doing. But what would it look like for you and I to get more excited about putting wins and points on the board for God's kingdom? What would it look like for you and I to put, put wins on, on, the, on the board and, and, and points on the board for other people's dreams and not just our own? What would it look like for you to add value and, and build up others as your stated mission and your purpose as you went into every day? Instead of waking up tomorrow's thinking, how can I win? How can I help you win? How can I help God's kingdom win? This is where life gets exciting. This is where God accomplishes so much through his, his people. And your world will work so much better when you live to serve God and serve others instead of expecting God to serve you and other people to serve you. I'm just telling you, your relationships, we just finished this Like You teaching series recently. Man, we talked about relationships for five weeks. You, you wanna talk about something that will help your relationships? Start serving others. Start serving God's purpose. When we get this backwards, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's awkward. It's awkward. Now, one of the big excuses for not living for God and his purposes, not serving him, not getting involved in serving him through his church and in our community and in our families. One of, one of our common excuses, whether we vocalize it or not, is that we don't have time. And it's true. I, I think this is one of the top reasons I see that people don't serve. I just don't have time. I don't have the time. And, and I want to address that because there is so much fulfillment on the other side of engaging and serving that we're missing out on because we've filled our lives with so many other things. We've, we've overcommitted, our schedules are full. And sometimes it's even not just that they're full. We have a, this, this unhealthy pendulum swing the opposite direction from, you know, there, there used to be this, this overwork kind of like, just don't care for yourself. Now it seems like we're in a culture where it's, it's all about care for yourself. Like you need a mental health day. You need some me time. Like you need a, like a day at the spot. Like we're so much into this self-care that I see a lot of people not serving others because they're so into serving themselves through comfort. And, and you do need rest. Like God has created Sabbath, work six, rest one. But when you're always in a state of rest, you get no momentum, you get no impact in your life. And so let's talk about this, this for just a brief moment. When we feel like I just don't have time to serve, I would love to serve, but I don't have the time. I don't have the capacity to do that. Let's look back at the story again that we just read, but I wanna read it now from Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, verse 36, same story. It says, as, as Jesus went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. As he went along, they spread their cloaks on the road. That's important. Verse 37, it says, and when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully praising God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. So this, to me, this part of the story is really important 
It says that as he went along, they started putting their cloaks down. Not, not two days later, it's as he came along. And then, and then notice what it says that as he came near the place where the road goes down to the olive, uh, Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully praising God. So it was, as he was passing these markers geographically, people were coming to him. You know, there's so many things that we intend to do that we never get to is because we miss the time. And then these people saw that Jesus was coming and they were probably engaged in other activities, but they recognized these things were less important than welcoming a king. And so whatever they were engaged in, they put those things down so they could rush to where Jesus was moving. And they went to where Jesus was moving so that they could give him praise in that place at that time. See, there was a time and there will be a time. Jesus said, one day I will come back. There will be a day of judgment. There will be a day when your race here on earth, your time is up. Your time is expired. So while we still have time here, we need to drop the less important things and rush to where Jesus is moving. If we want to live a life of impact and say, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to give you glory, to shout praise to you, to serve you because God, you're moving. You're at work and this is the time. There are needs all around us. There are people that are perishing. There is brokenness. Like never before when we look around, there's opportunity to make a difference in Jesus' name and he has called us. This is our time, church. This is our time to step into the need, to step into the gap, to be used by God and to say, yes, Jesus, here am I, send me. Use me, I'm available. You know, all of us, when we think about time, we have the same amount of time, don't we? Yeah, we all have the same amount of hours in every day, same amount of days in every week, same amount of months, the same amount of days in each of our months, and the same amount of months in each of our years. We, we all have the same amount of time. Some people seem to leverage their time more than others and make a bigger difference with the same time that they had. They lived in the same era, might have even lived in the same place, but they accomplished more than so many other people. It's because they saw that their time, if they were intentional with it, they maximized it and they invested it, that they would get a good return. You know, many times, you know, we, we don't serve, we don't say yes because we're exhausted. We're overwhelmed with other things that we've committed to. Uh, I talked about my boys playing basketball. We, we play a lot in the driveway together. It was my favorite sport growing up and my boys just started loving it. So we spent a lot of time together on the basketball court. And one of the games we play is called one-on-one-on-one. And how one-on-one-on-one works is that you take two guys and you get out on the court. You're playing one-on-one. And, and whoever scores the point, the other person goes and sits on the sideline for a minute. And that person that was on the sideline, they come in and they play the person that just scored the point. And it's make it, take it. If you make the basket, you take the ball and you, you keep going. You're on offense. And, and what happens over time as you play, if you keep scoring, uh, if I score on one son, well, he cycles out and he gets rest while the other one comes in. He's well rested up. And he comes plays dad. I might score again, maybe a third or fourth or fifth time. But man, these guys, they're rested. Yeah, they're, they're catching breaths. I'm getting more tired the more the game goes on. I'm getting worn out. And so, so whoever stays out on the court the longest, they're getting more and more tired. It's harder and harder to win. It's harder and harder to make basket, to put points on the board because you're getting exhausted the longer that you play. There's something to be said about boundaries about resting and working in those rhythms of rest and replenishment and recreation so we can be recreated, right? These things are important. I'm not saying that we should work ourselves into exhaustion and burnout. 
But my experience has been that so many times we are saying yes to less important things. We're filling our lives with all sorts of entertainment and comfort and yeses that we have not protected. And we've said yes to lesser things. So when it comes to the greater things, the opportunities to serve God, the opportunity to make a difference with our life, to do the one thing that's hard that will be the thing that brings legacy and impact and life change, we say no to that because we're so exhausted. We're ready for a breather. And and I want to challenge you today with this statement, guard your yes so you can give your best to God. Guard your yes. You know, a lot of our yeses these days are around what's convenient for us and comfortable for us, but I just want to remind you that the cross was not convenient. Jesus did not take the easier road, the road that was best for him, the road that was most comfortable, the shortcut. He chose the hard road, but in the end, because he chose the hard road, it brought life, eternal life for us. It left an impact that extended now 2,000 years beyond his time here on earth. And if you want to live a life that is not washed away in the end, the impact that you left is not washed away, if you want to live a life where you build something that's lasting, then you've got to live your life pointing people to Jesus. You've got to say yes to the things that serve his purposes, that build his kingdom, that serve other people. And the only way that you'll be able to say yes to those things is if you guard your yes. You say no to lesser things. You cut out the less important things that are all about serving self so that you can serve God and his purposes. So how are you doing that today? Are you guarding your yes? Or are you handing it out freely so there's nothing left to you to say yes to serving the Lord? Some of us are not saying yes to serving the Lord because we're not being disciplined and saying no to the lesser important things. Well, we have a lot of excuses why we don't serve the Lord. And one of those is the thought that, well, someone else will do it. Maybe we hear, hear an appeal at church or we see a need and, and it's like there's so many needs. You know, some, someone else will, will probably reach this. And, and I want to go back to our story again in Luke. Luke chapter 19 Beginning again in verse 37. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, did you see that? I love it. I love it. He, he, he said, if they keep quiet, right? And the Pharisees wanted to quiet them down. They didn't like what they were saying. They, they tried to quiet them. But Jesus said, hey, if, if they're quiet, even the stones will cry out. Somebody is going to give the Lord praise. Somebody is going to lift up the name of Jesus. Somebody's going to live for him. Somebody's going to build his kingdom and be on mission. Let that person be you. You're called. You're called and your obedience to God's call in your life will inspire obedience to others. Instead of saying someone else will take care of it, step into that need. That's what it looks like to be the church. As we look, I was so proud of our church family last weekend. We went out into our communities and we served people in Jesus' name. And you guys went out like an army into homes where they're caring for foster children and you blessed those families. You went to homeless empowerment program and you helped serve the homeless. You went into Dunedin Cares and you helped provide food for people that needed assistance. You guys went out all over the community to make a difference in Jesus' name. And I'm so proud of you. And on and on, there's so many more things we could talk about about, but, but this is the heart of God, to serve others, to love people and point them to Jesus. That's what it's all about. And somebody's going to do that. 
Somebody's going to do it. Why not let it be you? Why not you live a life that makes a difference? Why not you live a life of legacy? Are you living your life building things that will one day be washed away? Or are you living your life building something that will last? And what will last into eternity? People. Building into souls of men and women and children who need to hear the gospel, the good news that, that, that Jesus saves. You know, we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we were all headed for an eternity where we would be perishing and separated from the eternal love of God. And yet because of God's love for us expressed through his son Jesus, who gave his life on a cross, when we look to him, we can be forgiven and saved and restored to a relationship with God. That message needs to get out. It's the best news. It's the best news on earth, and we need to deliver it. We're his messengers. We're his messengers. So guard your yes so that you can give your best to God. And something that's been on my mind is that, you know, we, we have so much untapped potential in our church. And you guys are like an army. It's amazing to see what God is doing through this church experience family. Uh, just last weekend, we launched Church Experience Cape Coral. And we, again, had a big group of people down there serving on a mission trip, getting this new church plant, Church Experience Cape Coral, launched in this really strategic city here in Florida. And in, in two weeks, we're going to be launching Church Experience West Chase. I'm so proud of Pastor Warren, who's been with us here in Dunedin over this last year. We've trained him up. We've sent out a group. There's, there's dozens of people already on this launch team ready to go. We're opening our doors on Easter Sunday, 930 and 11 in West Chase. If you know anybody in North Tampa, get the word out. It's going to be awesome. See, God is at work through you as a church family. We're, we're giving God our best. We're giving him our yes. It requires saying no to other things, to lesser things. There's a lot of things we don't do as a church. But it's so that we can do the things that are going to make a lasting impact in people's lives. And, and, and we need to do the same in our, our individual lives, in our families. Guard our yes so that we can give our best to God. It's the same with our finances. We want to guard our budget, guard our resources, be wise and not waste money, spending it out, going out to eat and living it up all here and there. Because when you do that and you live over budget, beyond budget, you rack up debt, you can't give generously to God's kingdom. But God requires us, he, he asks of us to give him our best in every area, including our finances. It's what a tithe is. A tithe is not only a percentage, a tithe literally means tenth. It's giving God our first tenth. But, but it's more importantly, giving him our first, giving it to him first, guarding our yes, saying, God, I'm gonna say yes to you and then I'm gonna live on what's, what's left over, the other 90%. And I believe that, God, you can do more with that 90% when I give you the first tenth. When I, when I set that aside, I believe you can do more with the rest when I put you first. And when we put God first, he moves his kingdom forward through us to meet needs, to build his church, to expand his kingdom. But it requires his people saying their first yes to God and not the first yes to consumption. What's best for me? What do I want to do? What are, what are all the things, long list of things? Look, you can always spend more money on more things, right? But those things will pass away in Paris. You, you've already spent most of your life purchasing things that are now in the landfill. Why not use your first resources to invest in things that will last for eternity. And, and I've just been feeling so much like there's so much untapped potential in our church, whether it's in the area of our, our financial generosity or in our time and our energy, our resources. Some would look at church experience and say, wow, you guys are doing so much to build God's kingdom, but all I can see is how many more needs are around us. Tens of thousands of people around us in every direction that don't yet know Jesus. There's so much more need. And when I look at our church family, I see so many gifted people, so many talented people, so many generous and kind people. And if God could just light a fire in us to say, hey, guard your yes so you can give God your best, what more could God do through us? As we as a church stepped into our calling 
and say, God, we want to be a light, a radiant light in this dark community where there's so many needs, there's so many people perishing, living without Christ. We have got to get after it. And so as a church, our, our desire and our intention in this year ahead is to turn up the heat, turn up the passion and say, God, like we're here for you. We're, we're saying our, our yes to you and whatever that looks like, we're all in. I don't know if you've ever been, you know, uh, using a power tool or maybe a, a Dyson vacuum is battery powered. You get halfway through your job and, and, and you run out of battery power. And it's frustrating, right? Because you can't finish what you started, right? You, you see the need and you have the tool, but you don't have the energy required. That's why it's so important to guard your yeses, to say no to lesser things so that you can give your best energy to the most important things and put those things first. Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we wanna pray for workers. We wanna pray that God will raise up in our church family, leaders, pastors, missionaries, people who will serve and give of their, their efforts and their time and their energy to serve the Lord and his purposes because there is a need. And how, how amazing is it when we give God our yes? I mean, think about it in this story. I, I, I love this story. If we could go back just one last time to Luke chapter 19. Think, think about those who gave to Jesus in this story and how, how cool it would be afterwards. Take a look, Luke chapter 19. Look with me together at verse 29. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. This is the first time that this animal had ever been ridden is by the king. He's, he's worthy of our first and our best. And, and, and why? Because he needs it. Because he needs it. Why does he need, need our gifts? Because there's, there's a need around us. There's people that are perishing. There's, there's needs that need to be stepped into. There's people that are struggling and neglect, and abuse, and poverty, and violence. There's, there's so many needs in every direction. If we could just lift our eyes to see the vision, to say, God, there's so much more. I, I know that you want to do through us as a church, but, but we have to give you our yes. We have to protect and guard our yes so we can say yes to you. And Jesus needs it. He said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray that the Lord will send more workers into his harvest field. Pray, because there's a need. There's a need. Think about how cool this would be for these these workers, right? I mean, they, they, they went to, to go get this donkey for Jesus. I mean, the rest of their life, they're telling the story like, hey, Jesus, that king, that miracle worker, we got to go get the donkey for him. We got, we got to bring him his transportation. And, and the, the person who owned the donkey, hey, you'll never guess. This, this donkey over here, you never guess who rode on it the first time. It was Jesus. Like when, when you open up your life and your resources to the Lord and he starts using you, I mean, there, there's, there is very few things in life that bring a deep level of satisfaction and just nothing can compare to that. I mean, it's so hard to find those things that bring that deep level of satisfaction, but serving Jesus and giving him our best is one of those things. But also I would say that serving, serving is one of those things that, that is a spiritual development program like nothing else. When you serve others, you, you die to self, you die to the victim mindset that it's all about me. Your heart for people grows, your heart for God grows, your character, your strength, your faith, they're all built up. Here's what I'm trying to say. The final lesson today is serving moves God's work forward in the world and inside me. 
And we've highlighted that word and because we want you to get that. It does move God's work forward in the world, but also it moves his work forward in me. I grow when I give. When I serve, I expand my thinking and my believing in God and others. God does so much more through the person who serves because you grow and you get on mission with him. Maybe you've been to a restaurant and you were waiting for your table and they said it's gonna be 20 minutes. It's gonna be 30 minutes. And you looked around at the restaurant and there was a whole bunch of open tables. And, and, and you said, hey, what's, what's up with this, right? I mean, like, can I just get one of these open tables right over here? And you're, you're thinking to yourself, like, what would happen if I just kind of slipped through and sat down at the table, right? It's like, there's an open spot all over the place. And if you've ever served at a restaurant, if you've ever managed a restaurant, what you know is that those open tables and the line exist at the same time, not because there's not a seat for people. It's not that they're short on tables and chairs. It's that they're short on servers. They don't have enough staff to cover the need. There's more people waiting to get in and to eat a meal, and there's more tables than there are people to serve. There's not enough workers. Right, and in God's kingdom, there's not enough workers. God is ready with the feast. He wants to bring life transformation, helping people to experience life to the full in Him, full of love and forgiveness and hope and joy and peace. And all the blessings that God has on the table is a banquet table, but there's just not enough workers. We need to pray that God will raise up more workers, more leaders, more church planners, more generous kingdom-minded people that will use their business in the marketplace to be a blessing to others. More people who will get on mission with God, serving in the church, inviting people to services so they can hear the good news. Guys, we need to pray that God will move his kingdom forward. And how does it move forward? Through your yes, through your yes through your yes. When we say yes to God and we say, God, I'm all in, use me, God starts to provide. He starts to build his kingdom. He starts to move things forward, but it starts with your yes. Jesus has already given us his yes. He stretched it out with his arms on that Roman cross as he gave his life for you and I, and he's asked us to follow him. And if we're gonna be his followers, to take up our cross. What's your cross look like? It's gonna be some sacrifice in it. It might not always be easy. It's not the comfortable road. Comfortable sitting at home watching another season of your favorite show over and over again, watching another sports game, it's, it's going out and watching another sunset, all, all those things in their own place, they have their time. But don't say yes to lesser things and not leave room to say yes to the most important thing. Give your first yes, your best yes to God. I wanna wrap up today by sharing this verse from 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. Look at this, it says, be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully. Not serve self, but see it says serve him faithfully with all your heart. Do you see that? With all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Come on churches, as we step into serving the Lord faithfully with all of our heart, as we give him our best yes, God's going to get so much glory. Lives are going to be changed and transformed. More people are going to experience the full life that Jesus offers, but it begins with our yes. Jesus gave us his yes on that cross. And now he's asked us to give him our yes, our very best. Are you giving Jesus your best? And as we do it, it tells us right here in his words, it says to think of the great things that he's done for you. What great things has God done for you? I can, I can name him, we don't have time, but he's saved us from, from hell. He's given us a purpose. He's, he's reconnected us with our father in heaven that loves us, restored that relationship. He's filled our lives with, with peace and his joy and his love, surrounded us with his church. There's so many things, so many things to be grateful for. What has he done for you? 
He's given you his best. Are you giving him second best or are you giving him your very best? Come on, church, let's put him first. Not just in our time, not just in our finances, not just in our efforts, but in every single area of our lives. Let's put him first because he is worthy. He truly is first. Let's put him first, church, and see what he does through us. Right on? Right on. God, we thank you so much for giving us your best. Father in heaven, you gave us your son, Jesus, your beloved one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we thank you for the life that you give, not only eternal life, but life to the full here and now as we live on mission for you, living not to build sandcastles that will be washed away, but living to point people towards Jesus, not towards ourselves. Living to serve others, not just to be served. God, we want to live for you. We want to experience life to the full, but we know it happens when we guard our yes so we can give you our best. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us your best. May we go and do the same throughout this week ahead. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen.